This is the Daily Signal podcast for Thursday, October 8th. I'm Rachel Daltrudis. And I'm Kate Trinko. Today, we're sharing an interview from the Great Problematic Women podcast with Mary Vogt, a political communicator in Washington, D.C. Mary's husband faced religious discrimination during his Senate confirmation hearing, and she'll talk about that in light of the criticism of Amy Coney Barrett's faith. Don't forget, if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Now onto our top news. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is speaking out against attacks on Supreme Court nominee Judge Amy Coney Barrett, referring to a Washington Post article headlined, Amy Coney Barrett served as a handmaid in Christian group People of Praise, McConnell said in a statement. The word handmaid appears dozens of times in the King James Bible. It was good enough for the Virgin Mary. But now, because one liberal author put it in the title of an anti-religious novel in the 1980s, the press tries to imply that one of the most brilliant and powerful women in the legal world is anti-woman. McConnell added, United States senators are suggesting that Judge Barrett is too Christian or the wrong kind of Christian to be a good judge. Every Supreme Court justice in history has possessed personal views. Judges have a job to do and they swear to do it impartially. It is the definition of discrimination to assert that Justice Barrett's particular faith makes her uniquely unqualified for this promotion. The Senate Majority Leader concluded, these disgraceful attacks only reinforce why it is crucial to confirm judges like Judge Barrett who understand and respect our Constitution, including its protections for all Americans' religious liberty. President Donald Trump says he no longer feels any symptoms of COVID, according to his doctor, Sean Conley. In a memo, Conley wrote, the president this morning says, I feel great. His physical exam and vital signs, including oxygen saturation and respiratory rate, all remain stable and in normal range. He's now been fever-free for more than four days, symptom-free for over 24 hours, and has not needed nor received any supplemental oxygen since initial hospitalization, Conley said. Trump returned to the White House Monday after being at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center since Friday evening, after he and First Lady Melania Trump tested positive for the coronavirus. Derek Chauvin, the Minneapolis police officer who knelt on George Floyd's neck, has been released from jail after posting a million-dollar bail, according to local Fox affiliate for Minneapolis, St. Paul. Chauvin is charged with second-degree murder, and his trial is expected to occur in March. A new poll taken October 1st and 2nd by YouGov, which surveyed 1,999 voters, found that Americans are concerned about election integrity when it comes to the November 3rd presidential election. Per USA Today, 47% disagree with the idea that the election is likely to be fair and honest, and that slightly more than half, 51%, won't generally agree on who is the legitimately elected president of the United States. Next up, we'll have that interview with Mary Vogt about religious discrimination and government jobs. If you're tired of high taxes, fewer health care choices, and bigger and bigger government, 
it's time to partner with the most impactful conservative organization in America. We're the Heritage Foundation, and we're committed to solving the issues America faces. Together, we'll fight back against the rising tide of homegrown socialism, and we'll fight for conservative solutions that are making families more free and more prosperous. But we can't do it without you. Please join us at heritage.org. Welcome back to the show. We have a real treat for you today. We have Mary Vogt. She is a former colleague of ours at Heritage, mother of two beautiful little girls and wife to OMB director Russ Vogt. Mary, I don't know where you find the time, but you wrote a really great article this weekend called The Secular Left, Democrats Can't Impose a Religious Test on Amy Coney Barrett. So I want to start because this is a, a personal issue for you. Your husband, face some scrutiny over his religious beliefs in a similar confirmation hearing. Can you tell us about that and the effect that it had on your family? Yes, definitely. Thank you guys both for having me here today. I really appreciate it. Um, in 2017, my husband, Russ Vogt, he had been nominated to serve as deputy director of the Office of Management and Budget. And so during his confirmation hearing before the Senate uh, Budget Committee, he was personally attacked for his religious beliefs. Um, Senator Bernie Sanders went after him for his Christian faith. Uh, years prior, Russ had written an article defending his faith and basically laying out what Christians believe that in order to have salvation, you must believe in Jesus Christ. And that did not sit well with Senator Sanders. And so he started to attack my husband over it. And he said he wasn't fit to serve in the position that he was being nominated for. And he said, quote, this nominee is really not someone who is what this country is supposed to be about. So he applied an unconstitutional religious test to my husband, which according to the constitution, article six, section three, it's not supposed to happen. No religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. And so we did receive a whole host of support from people from all walks of life, all parties and all faiths, which was great and encouraging, but it was just really unfortunate to see an elected official that had taken an oath to defend the constitution was then violating it and attacking my husband for his personally held beliefs. So Mary, this isn't the first time that Amy Coney Barrett is facing these types of attacks. She actually already went through a Senate confirmation hearing where she was famously told by Senator Dianne Feinstein from California that, quote, the dogma lives loudly within you. Can you tell us more about the safeguards that the founder set up to protect against this type of religious test? And if it is unconstitutional, which you just explained, why are these attacks still allowed? That's a really, really good question. I think we've seen a lot from the left and from Democrats that they just go by their own playbook. And it's unfortunate and a very scary precedent for the United States, because like I said, they took an oath to defend the Constitution. And so it's unconstitutional to bring this religious test to individuals that want to serve. And it it causes a whole host of issues for the country. I mean, one being that it really reduces the spectrum of people that would serve in these positions because someone who has maybe a, a less well-known religious belief or experience 
they'll be less likely to serve in the positions, which means less diversity in government, which is something that the Democrats always seem to be say that they're about. Um, it also, and this is probably the most critical thing, is that it discourages high qualified, talented individuals from seeking government positions in the first place. Who in the, who's gonna want to put their whole life out there to be attacked for their religious beliefs um, when you see what's happening to other individuals? I mean, it's hard, they go after your family. People went after the children that Amy Coney Barrett adopted. It's ridiculous. And so regardless of party, as an American, as a taxpayer, you really wanna have the most high qualified, the most talented individuals representing you in the highest form of government. But when the Democrats put forward these unconstitutional tests, it makes people like that unwilling to step up to the plate and not willing to serve the country. Yeah, that's such an interesting argument that you make. You know, the more that you focus on one aspect of a judge's life, and, you know, even if it is unconstitutional to focus on that aspect of a judge's life, you miss out on the full picture of who that judge is. So can you kind of just unpack that a little bit more? And what should we be looking for in a judge? Yeah, exactly. And let's be honest, we wouldn't be having this discussion at all and the Democrats wouldn't be attacking her if she was liberal. It's only because she is conservative that they're going after her. I mean, and that's unfortunate because I think the American people want to see her qualifications and want to see that she will be unpartial, that she will apply things to the Constitution, that she will read and determine on cases in an unbiased and in a fair way. And that's that's the oath that she, that's what she said she would do. And that's the oath that she um, says that she will uphold. And so Americans want to be able to see her qualifications, what, how she's taken positions in the past, that she won't apply her faith um, with, those, with those decisions. But unfortunately they're not getting to see any of that because we're just seeing these attacks from the left on her. And, I feel like it's a missed opportunity because the public wants to understand how she will serve as a judge and they're not getting that because instead the Democrats want to play politics. And Mary, I'm curious after what happened to your husband and what happened during Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation process, what you're expecting for Amy Coney Barrett. Do you expect these same types of religious faith-based attacks uh, you know, we've, we've seen them go pretty low already, at least, you know, on Twitter. What can we actually expect from the senators who are a part of this confirmation hearing? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you already addressed it that in 2017, when she was going through a confirmation hearing for the Seventh uh, Circuit Court of Appeals, she was already faced harsh questioning about her faith. I mean, like you said, Diane Feinstein infamously said, the dogma lives loudly within you. And many of us on this side have some very uncomfortable feelings about you pertaining to your faith. And even Senator Dick Durbin questioned whether she considered herself to be an Orthodox Catholic or not. So I think what they did to her in 2017, what they did to my husband in 2017, what we saw them so brazenly and unfairly do to Kavanaugh, I mean, I just think for them, there is no they don't ever take the gloves off. It's always unjust and unfair and they wanna to try to score some political points. So fortunately, she's a very tough individual. I have confidence in her and her ability to, I mean, she has seven kids for gosh sakes, I have two and I know how hard that is. 
So I feel like she will be able to deal and wrangle the children of uh, the Democrat (laughs) Party quite well. So So, true. (laughs) I have no fears in that. But I just think, yeah, they're going to go after her face and faith. I mean, like I said, they went after her for the adoption, which is just ridiculous. And the other thing is like, where is Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi? These are two very famous self-proclaimed Catholics who have yet to say anything in defense of her and her faith. And I just think that speaks volumes for where the Democrat Party is today. So next week, let's say you were Senator Vote and you were on (laughs) the Judicial Committee. What sort of questions would you want to pose to Amy Coney Barrett? Yeah, I mean, I would ask her about past cases that she ruled over anything that I thought was in question or wasn't clear. I think that that's what the American people would want to hear. I would ask her about, you know, how she plans to rule as a judge, what her philosophy is for ruling on these cases, why she wants to serve. Um, So those are the type of questions that I would ask her and delve into more of those cases that she that she ruled on. But I don't really think we're going to see that. I think we could see that from some of the Republicans, but I don't think we're going to see that from the Democrats. I think they're going to dig into religious groups that she was a part of or meetings that she did or her faith or things about Catholicism, um, which is just unfortunate. Like I said, the American people want to know about her and her background and what makes her qualified to serve in the highest court. And I just I don't think we're going to see that from the Democrats. And one line of attack that we have seen very prominent by Democrats is uh, related to the Affordable Care Act and mm-hmm. healthcare, and yeah. uh, this idea that Amy Coney Barrett could be a unique danger to Americans' healthcare. Uh, we wanted to ask you about this. Um, it is it is personal if you're willing to share, but I know you um, are an outspoken advocate for uh, specifically children with pre-existing conditions. One of your Mm -hmm. daughters has cystic fibrosis. So you know the struggles that uh, American families face when it comes to dealing with um, very costly healthcare treatments. And so first off, do you think that attack about Amy Coney Barrett is fair? And um, second off, what are you willing to share anything about your experience navigating the healthcare system? You know the changes that we've seen under the Trump administration um, in in your daughter's fight with cystic fibrosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't think that attack is fair. Everything that we've seen from Amy Coney Barrett's record is that she is unbiased and she's very just in her rulings and. Again, it just seems like the Democrats are trying to throw whatever they can at her and see what sticks, which is unfortunate. Um, Yes, so like you said, my youngest daughter, she has a life-threatening genetic condition, cystic fibrosis. And it's funny because you, you know, in these spaces, you look at healthcare policy and tax policy and things like that one way, but when it personally affects you and when you're on the phone for hours dealing with insurance, trying to get them to cover a medication or dealing with doctors or pharmacists. It definitely affects you a different way. And it really makes you appreciate the idea of healthcare freedom and that government should get out of the way of families and individuals and their healthcare choices and allow them to make the choices that best fit their family. Each family is different. Each child is different. All of their needs are different. 
And I think the, this president, and as you said, I've published a lot of pieces on this, but he's done a really great job of just standing up for the weakest among us and wanting, allowing families to choose healthcare options for themselves, um, particularly when it comes to the FDA and cutting red tape and fast tracking some of these medications. My daughter started this new drug this last year that really helps to correct the cystic fibrosis gene that she has. And there's another one that is coming out this year that will fundamentally change her life, her life expectancy. And uh, the Washington Post called it last year, a miracle drug for people with CF. And they listed it in, as one of the top 19 things that happened in 2019. And I have no doubt that this is because of President Trump and his leadership. By pushing the FDA to act quickly, by fast tracking these drugs, by you know, making sure generics are available to people who can't afford it. I mean, we even saw this with right to try. Why can't individuals who are terminally ill have the right to be able to try an experimental drug that is past the most strenuous phase of approval with the FDA? It's ab absolutely ludicrous that that, hadn't, that law hadn't been signed prior to President Trump. And so just as a mother constantly advocating for my child, I think everything that he's doing um, has been so helpful and so important, particularly when you see how it affects an individual and how you just, as a mother, want to protect and encourage and just defend your child at all costs. So I'm, I'm grateful to him for that. Well, Mary, well, that is you know, such great news about the drug. And, you know, I know your daughter is in Kelsey and I's prayers, and I hope uh, our whole audience keeps her in their thoughts and prayers. But Mary, thank you so much for the work that you do with judges and with healthcare. It's just so important what your family sacrifices and, and does for our country. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and please encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Rachel Del Judas. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.